Welcome to Views from the World Tree. On this week's show, we light the fires, make our floral wreaths, and take our annual bath in hopes of landing that perfect match. We're talking midsummer. And now, on with the show. Yes, I see. Good news, everyone. Onward. Onward and upward. All right. Hopefully. Uh, for news this week, for reading, i not really reading anything. On my notes here, I put down TV tropes. because <laughs> um, So I'm... I was doing some research for that writing project I talked about last week. Um, so I was looking something up and just have been having a fun time kind of going down the rabbit hole, clicking from one article to another. So I have been reading and learning all about TV tropes. That does sound kind of fun. Um, what are some of the tropes that you've found most interesting? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> Um, the one that I probably spent the most time reading about just cause it's fascinating is, uh, it's called the aluminum Christmas tree <laughs> is the trope. Okay. And it's basically the, the trope in particularly in TV and movies where there's a story element that exists in real life, but it's assumed to be fictional because it's like too unlikely or bizarre to be uh, to be real. So when truth is stranger than fiction, that's the aluminum Christmas tree. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty interesting. That is an interesting uh, name for it, but I kind of like it. Apparently it came from like the fifties and sixties where there was such a thing as an aluminum Christmas tree but um, because of the Charlie Brown Christmas special, um, Lucy tells Charlie Brown to get the biggest aluminum tree you can find. And so people saw that and thought that they were making it up when it actually was a real thing. So okay, <laughs> that's where the name comes from. But That is an awesome bit of trivia that I'm going to lock <laughs> away in my head. In case it ever comes up at like bar was, trivia, yeah. Sometime. Next time you're in a pub or something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I heard this. It was uh, I heard it on Views from the World Tree. It's uh, something almost too good to be true that it must be made up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, so then, for watching this week, uh, my wife and I watched the movie Interstellar, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with because it's been out for a while. Um, I, we watched it because I had made a reference to it uh, because anybody that knows me knows that I speak in movie quotes. <laughs> um, so my wife had said that she, like I, I made the comment and then she was like, what are you, what is that from? And I told her and she said, I, I thought I watched that, but I don't remember it. And she tends to fall asleep during movies. So we, uh, we rewatched it. It was just as good the, I don't know, second or third time. I don't remember how many times I've seen it. 
Nice. I have to admit, that is one movie that I still haven't seen. Oh, man. I've heard all about it. Uh, I've heard great things. I have still not sat down to watch it. Well, highly recommended then. So (laughs) if you've ever used whatever quote uh, you used on me, it may have gone right over my head. Or I just thought you were extremely intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly both. Uh, Probably not. Um, and then also kind of fits under the watching category. I've been playing a lot of American truck simulator. Um, I had my 10 year anniversary from the company that I work for and they gave me a, like a $500 Amazon gift card thing. So I picked up a steering wheel pedals, uh, gear shifter that you plug in to your computer. And I also printed out, 3D printed, a shift knob that uh, resembles the 18-speed shifters. It's got a spot where I can add some switches for like a a gear splitter and high-low range and everything. So I've been playing a lot of that. I also, I did try playing in VR because I have an Oculus Rift, like the old Oculus Rift. But it gets really, really nauseating because your eyes see like everything moving and see the truck bouncing up and down, but you're obviously not actually moving. So just uh, sticking to just playing on the, on the monitors for now. There was a famous vine, like I guess vines, uh, TikTok, I guess is what they are now of somebody that created a hydraulic system for his um, Forza game. So that when he uh, was going downhill in Forza, (laughs) it would lift the back of of his seat up. And then like when he was going uphill, it would lift up the uh, front seat. When he was accelerating, the front seat would lift up to push him back. And when he uh, hit the shift, it would drop him type (laughs) of thing. I'm wondering if you just need to build a hydraulic system so that uh, your body actually moves with the truck. (laughs) Maybe. That would be really cool. I don't know if I have that kind of time. Or money, if I'm sure there's one out there, but it's probably really expensive. So, right. Yeah, it, it does been, sound like kind of a fun, uh, a fun project, though. Yeah, definitely. And I've been having a lot of fun with the so the the shifter is just made by Logitech, and uh, I've been having a lot of fun turning it into like an 18 speed thing. You know, I uh, found a the file is online to 3d print a shifter and I ordered some switches and going to wire those up to like a, a USB uh, controller that's designed for arcade games so that I can have my, my high low range and everything. So it'll be fun. That sounds fun. Um, yeah. Good times. <laughs> Other news. Uh, we, got the new roof put on our house uh, had to get it replaced it was over 20 years old and had some storm damage also if you are looking at a new roof in your future they are like stupid expensive nobody had prepared me for the cost of that so just a heads up did your um, insurance cover any of it or was it kind of they covered part of it um, because of the age there's like a depreciation clause so I think 
they ended up covering, let's see, just over half of it, like 60% probably. So more than we were hoping to have to pay, but uh, at least it's not the full amount. <laughs> so there you go. Um, and then also worth noting uh, World of Warcraft Dragonflight. The physical and digital collector's editions are now available for pre-order. And the expansion has a release date officially of sometime before the end of this year. I guess that's when they open something up for pre-order. There's some law that it has to have a like a latest possible release date. So that's why they have that. But Intriguing. So... Much a, sooner uh, than I was expecting. Drop, maybe? Yeah, probably. I think yeah, if I was Blizzard, I would try and get it out. Um, I don't know, probably like between Thanksgiving and Christmas seems to be a pretty popular time for video game releases. Give people something to do over the break. Right. I feel like that's the big time for most video game companies. A lot of things uh, kind of drop during that time. Yep. So, yep. Very cool. Yeah, that's my week. What about you? Um. Well, this week, as far as reading, I have been uh, reading, listening to Good Omens by uh, Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Um, I forgot how brilliant Terry Pratchett is as an author. I've always loved Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two of them together created such comedic gold. It's uh, it's a delightful book to read. Um, so have the, you read it or heard anything about? I haven't, but I was going to ask, is this the one, I think it's the one that the TV series is based on, right? Yes. The Amazon Prime series. So basic premise, uh, without giving too much away, is um, the Antichrist is born to a in a hospital run by satanic nuns. And um, this demon that uh, has really grown accustomed to life on Earth... Um, is supposed to give this newborn child to an American diplomat who's, uh, who's in England on a diplomatic mission so that he could go back to America and then uh, put into motion the, uh, the, the apocalypse. Um, well, this demon doesn't really want to do it, so he doesn't do his due diligence to do it, and the, the child ends up in the hands of just a regular old fashioned suburban uh, British family. And so he's, he's raised not as a power hungry antichrist. He's raised as just a suburban quasi rural schoolboy in Britain. And so like all the events of the book of revelations are coming to pass, but a very dumbed down, version of them nice <laughs> and it is kind of funny <laughs> yeah the does the 
book follow the show pretty closely? Yeah, the show definitely follows the book. Okay. Very closely. Uh, I know Neil Gaiman was actually one of the writers on the show. Oh, that helps. (laughs) Um, I think Terry Pratchett had passed away at the time that they started writing the show, but Neil Gaiman uh, definitely had a lot of input on how the show was written and structured. Okay, that's good. I feel like that show was just really well done overall. Like the writing, obviously, was really good. The casting, too, was very on point with Michael Sheen, David Tennant, and what's his name? Broccoli Crackerjack or whatever. Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So I take it you saw the show. I did, yeah. Yeah, I've seen the show. The book adds a little bit more to it. The show does a very good job uh, of establishing it. So cool. Yeah. So that's what I've been reading, and I have been enjoying every second of it because it is uh, it's such a fun story. Um, Another book I I talked about it last week. Um, I did finish the book Meet the Frugal Woods, and. If you don't remember, didn't tune in last week, it's a, it's a story about a family that had figured out how to live so far below their needs that they were able to become financially independent early and buy a, uh, a, a homestead out in the, um, Vermont wilderness type of thing. And, uh, so my, my three big takeaways from this book, uh, that I, I want to, uh, like put into my own life is they they mention getting out of debt how paying money to um to somebody else being beholden to somebody else is going to hold you back on your financial independence um they mentioned uh that they that investing compound interest is amazing if you put a hundred dollars in every month and it compounds quarterly, like it's just growing, eventually your money's going to start making its own money. So your money will eventually work harder than you're working. <laughs> um, and then um, when they were, when they were really cutting down, uh, they stopped buying new things and went to a lot more consignment stores and secondhand stores. And, if you followed this podcast for a while, or even if you're new, something that you either know about me or will soon find out is I am a big supporter of anything that could possibly reduce pollution or reduce our impact on the great outdoors. And so I really like this idea of buying consignment and buying secondhand going to yard sales, that type of thing, just because when we're reusing stuff, not only does it save us money, but it also helps uh, keep things out of like landfills and stuff like that. So I thought that was really cool. So those are my three big takeaways from that book. Nice. I'm probably going to have to pick this one up and read it because that dream of, being able to eventually buy a homestead up in the mountains is definitely something on my list. So yeah, kind of, and well, and, and this, you know, in today's market, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, transferable skills like 
mentioned not being beholden to anybody and in a high inflation uh, at risk of recession, that's, I know that's one of the, the best things you can do is if you're in debt, get out of debt or get out of a, as much of it as possible. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah, it, it, it was good. And I thought that uh, the author, I thought that she did a really good job of kind of explaining not only the why, but the how mm-hmm. as she was telling the story. And so I thought that was kind of fun. A lot of nice. uh, things that you could kind of take into your own life, no matter. I mean, you don't have to be working for PBS in Boston to like start saving money. Sure. You know? Yeah. So, yep. Um, as far as watching, um, Everybody's been talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi and talking about Stranger Things. And so, you know what I've been watching? I do, because I can see the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) I have been watching Arrow. I have turned back on uh, that old CW show. And I, I think the first time I tried to watch it, I made it through season four and went, you know, I really... I really enjoyed the show, but time got in the way. And now that it's summer, I'm not working as consistently as I was. I figure it's a great time to sit down on the couch and watch uh, a vigilante that knows Kung Fu and archery. Nice. So. I, I enjoyed that one when it was on TV. I don't know if it was the OG superhero series i mean obviously not the the og og but it was definitely one of the earlier ones that helped launch the the current superhero resurgence that we're seeing i think it was technically supergirl was the og okay but i know the cw calls their dc universe the arrowverse Mm. so i think it was the most popular of the uh dc reboot gotcha So, yeah. So I've been going through that one. And then uh, as far as other news, I just downloaded uh, the book Rooted. Uh, You have heard Adam talk about that quite a bit. We've taken some of our mindfulness moments uh, from this book. And we promised you later on this year that we would do a full book review, a full episode for this book. So I... I bought it off of Audible. I downloaded it. Uh, I plan on reading it or well, listening to it with a notebook in hand so that I can take notes on things that stick out to me so that we can hopefully bring that to you in the near future. Cool. I'm excited. So, And then not on the show notes. Uh, I just wanted to throw a little uh, shout out to my D&D group. We just did our just had our two year anniversary of playing D and D together in person. So, thanks, nice. guys. You guys That's coming awesome. over to my house and letting me entertain you is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like fun. <clears throat> so, yeah. And that's the news. All right. Well, with that, should we talk about Midsummer? I think we should. Cool. Considering we're in the in the heart of it right now. 
Yeah. Um, should we, let's see, do you want to just really quickly tell everybody what we're talking about when we say midsummer, just in case people are not aware? Uh, yes. Uh, so basic premise of midsummer. Um, it's the solstice celebration uh, for the northern hemisphere. I guess the southern hemisphere would have a have a midsummer closer to our um, Yuletide uh, Christmas time. But um, basically, it is when the day is the longest in the northern hemisphere. Uh, a lot of cultures celebrate it because the sun is out so long. Uh, with many different ways, but it has its roots in pre-Christian religions and has since been adopted by many, well, I think every form of Christian um, patriarchy uh, celebrates it as St. John the Baptist Day. So depending on where your faith lies, uh, you're either going to be celebrating Midsummer, Solstice, St. John's Day, or in a weird way, weird roundabout way, uh, if you're in India, there's a Hindu festival. If you're in Iran, there's a there's a nature festival in Iran that's been uh, appropriated by the Islamic church there. So it's celebrated everywhere. I'm sorry. Nice. Kind of rambly on, but uh, that's kind of the gist. Cool. And uh, generally speaking, um, it falls. So the actual um, astronomical date is like June twenty first. I think sometimes it varies one day or uh, in either direction. But um, and then I know in countries that celebrate this in modern times, sometimes the actual celebration is, is shifted to uh, like whatever the next weekend is. But yeah, definitely cool that uh, this is something that pretty much every culture has done at some point or does today. So uh, we thought it would just be kind of cool to go through and talk about the different areas and kind of what their traditions are, what they tend to do. And then towards the end, we can uh, go into a little bit more about like what we're doing and uh, how you can celebrate it. So you want to start us off perfect um so the first region that we're going to talk about is europe uh and i made a list of different um different traditions that uh different countries do uh, i got most of this information off of wikipedia some of it i got off of uh talking to people that have lived there and others i just did a Encyclopedia Britannica search on midsummer tr- festivities and it came up. So bear with us. The list is long and there is a lot of overlap. You'll see a theme as we go <laughs> through this. And if you don't see a theme, we'll share what the theme is. So our first place in Europe, Austria. Uh, they celebrate midsummer uh, as part of St. John's Day. And it is a boat parade down the Danube River uh, with fireworks shot off the boats and bonfires throughout the night. Cool. I do 
love boat parades. I, I saw one in <laughs> San Antonio once, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Bulgaria, next on the list, uh, they do barefoot dancing on hot coals. And it is said that any who stay up to see the sunrise will be happy and healthy for the remaining year. Also, they do healing rites from the herb gatherers and healers, and there are church celebrations for St. John the Baptist. Uh, Which brings us to Croatia. Again, large bonfires are lit in the name of St. John the Baptist. Um, In Croatia, the festival is linked to the old Slavic god of the sun. Bonfires tend to be lit at dusk, and once they burn down to embers, the town folks walk across the hot ashes with faith that they won't be harmed. So it used to be a rite to the sun god, and now it is uh, to honor St. John the Baptist. Nice. Next, Denmark, a country that is dear to, to both of us. Wise men and women would gather their herbs in order to heal the sick. Bonfires are lit to keep the evil spirits away. Effigies of witches are burned in the bonfires. Church services are held in honor of St. John. And children go to healing springs to gain the healing properties of water. Denmark, uh, this festival, uh, their version of the festival is interesting to me. Uh, the burning of the witches, uh, the going to springs to baptize themselves in the in the healing water. It seems very appropriated. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but it feels very, very um, pre-Christian in nature. Yeah. And they've changed the symbolism to very Christian ideas of baptism and burning witches and heretics at the stake type of thing. So I just thought that Denmark was interesting. Yeah, definitely some influences there. Sounds like. Um, after Denmark, we go to Estonia. Uh, their festival is named St. John's Day, uh, named so by Christian missionaries. Though, according to the Estonian people that I know, it still has a lot of uh, pagan celebrations tied to it. So there is a ritualized lighting. They don't just light the bonfire. They will lit, like do a ritual lighting of it. And then um, women and children will jump over the flames of the bonfire. Um, and uh, this is supposed to purify your body. If you do not participate, in a lighting of the bonfire, uh, you were basically giving the spirits free reign to uh, visit destruction to your home. And this actually celebrates kind of a break between the planting season and the harvest season. So all the planting work is done at this point. It's a time to relax before you take the fruits of your labor out of the ground. Nice. That makes sense. Uh, Onward to the Faroe Islands. Uh, No real celebrations to note. However, on the southernmost island, a single bonfire is lit and one of the two biggest towns hosts a celebration. This made me sad. Faroe Islands is on my bucket list of traveling, but I don't know if I'll ever go during midsummer. (laughs) Um... So Finland, 
again, very similar to Estonia. It's almost like their neighbors or something. <laughs> um, so they will light their bonfires close to water. Uh, the tradition holds to do it mostly on on the uh, shores of the sea, but lakes, rivers are all part of it. Um, they will take birch trees and they will mount uh, cuttings from birch trees on either side of the door to welcome guests. So it is considered very magical in Finnish culture. It's a it's a time of fertility. Um, I believe in Scandinavia, uh, it used to be a uh, a festival to Freya. Is that correct? That's what I've heard. Yeah, Freya. Um, Freyr. So it's uh, it has a lot to do with harvest and fertility so uh, the Finns believe that there's magic in the air uh, and like many other cultures if you if you lay wildflowers underneath your pillow at night if you're a young lady uh, you will dream of your perfect male suitor in the night so you will know exactly who to reel in <laughs> nice uh, brings us to France um, again, lots of music, dancing, bonfires, and I'm sure plenty of delicious French cuisine. All right. Um, Germany, bonfires. Uh, bonfires are lit as well as like uh, sharing of the first of the spring crops, so the first crops that are pulled out of the ground, usually asparagus and rhubarb. Cool. So, so in Greece, next on the list, um, again, <laughs> fires, if you're detecting a theme. Uh, specifically in Greece, they will burn their May Day wreaths. And it's also seen as a time for young women to find their mates and just, you know, have celebrations in general. There you go. Hungry. This is a one of the one of the different ones. Uh, it's not Saint John's Day. It's Saint Ivan's Night. Uh, here they light a fire on solstice or Midsummer's Night. After the fire is lit, there's jumping of it, uh, partly to purify the jumper, partly to bless the jumper with a marriage at the following carnival. So. Lighting of fires and jumping over the fire or walking on hot coals seems to be very popular. <laughs> uh, next we have Ireland, where they hold carnivals, concerts, and also fireworks shows. Uh, the rural areas in Ireland will hold bonfires on the top of a hill as a throwback to their pagan roots. Okay. Uh, in Italy, there's street fairs and markets in the towns of Turin and Genoa. And the, the reason why it's only really held in those towns is because the patron saint of those towns is St. John the Baptist. So, though they're added into this Midsummer's discussion, they are uh, more of the uh, Catholic St. John's Day holiday. Nice. Uh, next on the list, we have Jersey, not the Jersey Shore, the country, the island. <laughs> um, 
In Jersey, most Midsummer festivals have been abandoned, but there is a reenactment group that specifically will ring the bells to banish evil spirits. All right. That brings us to Latvia, where there is festival eating of uh, the Tiani, Yani, probably Yani, Yani cheese, drinking beer, baking pierogi, singing Latvian folk songs dedicated to uh, Yani, their god, uh, burning bonfires to keep light all through the night, jumping over it, wearing wreaths of flowers for the women and oak leaves for men. Uh, and they also have modern commercial products and ideas added to it. So it's a very big festival in Latvia. Sounds like fun. Like me some cheese. Right. <clears throat> All right, Lithuania. Lithuanian traditions for midsummer include singing songs and dancing until the sun sets, telling stories, searching to find the magic fern blossom at midnight, jumping over bonfires once again, and greeting the rising midsummer sun and washing their face with the morning dew. Young girls will float flower wreaths on the water of a river or lake. Uh, these are customs that are brought from pagan culture and beliefs. There you go. I always, I always like the uh, the Slavic or Baltic um, countries, just because of the uh, searching for the fern blossom. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know botany at all, ferns don't uh, propagate by flowers or seeds. They uh, propagate by spores. So searching for the fern blossom is kind of like a snipe hunt. It is something that does not exist. I remember snipe hunting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Norway, another country that is uh, dear to both Adam and I. Uh, So this one, it's actually a tamer festival. Uh, than it is even in Denmark, which is not that big. Uh, but they light bonfires, usually on the uh, waterfront shores. Uh, they have mock weddings, uh, usually between, I hate to say it, but fake weddings where a, a young boy and a young girl will will like pretend to get married. Um, this is another culture that if the girl places summer file, uh, flowers under her pillow at night, she will dream of her future husband. So kind of a tame, laid back, get together, um, humiliate children, and uh, dream of your future <laughs> husband. Nice. Uh, so over in Poland then, uh, again, as I'm sure you can guess, there will be bonfires. Also throwing of wreaths of flowers into oceans, lakes, or rivers, and once again, a midnight search for the fern flower. <laughs> I, I, it just cracks me up. Searching for searching for the fern flower. I do kind of wish we had ferns here in Colorado. Yeah, ferns are ferns are cool. My parents, when I was growing up, had a an indoor, like a house plant. It was a just this massive fern that thing dropped leaves like crazy but mm-hmm. it was pretty to look I, at i had a boston fern a couple of years ago and i just 
Yeah, I got tired of cleaning up after it. <laughs> For sure. Um, our next country on our list is Portugal. This one is another unique one, uh, kind of like Italy. It's very, uh, it's influenced a lot by Catholicism. And it's part of the popular saint celebration. So Portugal kind of creates a series of festivals. So basically, from what I read, almost the entire month of June, there is a festival going on every weekend. Um, the big three are St. Anthony, St. John, and St. Peter. Um, for these festival days, decorations of flowers and balloons adorn the streets. Um, and then in the harbor towns, I thought this was kind of cool. There's celebration of fishermen closer to St. Peter's Day, where they celebrate the fish markets and the, uh, and the sailors that go out to bring food as part of St. Peter. For those of you who were not raised or do not understand, know who saint peter was he was uh one of the first followers of um the christian jesus and he uh he was a fisherman by trade and so that's why saint peter's day is a fishing celebration Hmm, that makes sense uh romania so this this one um breaks a little bit from our theme in romania there is a specific dance number uh, performed with between five and seven young girls. One of them will be dressed as a bride and the others will be dressed as bridesmaids. And they will wear white and dance in an intricate dance uh, around a circle. They also um, in Romania will perform fertility rites toward the sanctity of Diana, uh, which is the moon goddess from Greek and Roman mythology and uh, also is a symbol of fertility. So, Romania, also very big on the uh, pre-Christian side of Midsummer. Yeah. Um, Russia. This is an interesting country because it spans such a vast amount of, uh, of like, different cultures. Uh, Over on the European side, there's purity rites, like floating flower wreaths down the river. Uh, They have kind of communal cleansing uh, activities where there's uh, like bathhouses type of situation. Um, The further east you go into Asia, there will be dancing around a a maypole with a horse tethered to it in the... uh, in the middle of the city and they'll dance around it. Um, and then there's also horse or reindeer races, uh, especially when you get up into the Siberian steppes, as well as a lot of other festivities that kind of have a different cultural flair as you go. So I, I liked this one reading about this one, mostly because like the, the honor of the horse, just because I'm a big history buff. And the steppes of Russia is basically more or less where Genghis Khan and the horse riders, the steppe riders basically came out of when they came and sacked Rome. And so just horses and like honoring the horse gods and all that is very strong amongst the Siberian and Mongolian people of Russia. Cool. So on then to Serbia. In Serbia, girls will watch the sunrise through a flower wreath in hopes of 
sure you guessed, being blessed with love and fertility. Also, more bonfires and a tradition is practiced on this day to form bonds through Godfather and Blood Brother Pacts. Um, Spain. Uh, this is another theme that you see a lot. The gathering of medicinal plants to create teas to save people from ailments. Uh, and this might be a surprise at this point, but bonfires are lit to drive <laughs> off evil spirits. Um, occasionally, depending on the city or the region of Iberia that you're in, effigies of witches or demons are burned on these fires. All right. Sweden. Uh, so Sweden is the country of Scandinavia that kind of held on to um, their heathenry and their paganism for the longest uh, once Christianity came around. So things are not quite as tame there, a little bit more of a party. Um, they will raise the maypole, uh, gather flowers. There's dancing around the maypole, drinking, merrymaking, and the whole festival culminates with a skinny dip with an old lover or possibly new lover after drinking so much schnapps. Crazy sweets. I, I had to put that in. That is almost <laughs> verbatim from the Wikipedia article. Um, nice. <laughs> I love whoever wrote that article saying, you know what? Basically, the Swedes go dance around a pole adorned with flowers, and they drink so much during the day that they may go home with their wife or husband, or they might go take a bath in a river or a lake with somebody that they just met. <laughs> we don't really know. <laughs> so <laughs> it just kind of cracks me up. I like it. Sounds like a good time. Um, um And... <laughs> I'm sure people will be upset with me for saying this, but now we're leaving Europe and going to the United Kingdom. <laughs> you all voted for Brexit. Just saying. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so in England, um, the traditional midsummer festivals is a candlelight vigil uh, all night in the churches. Um, in the uh, Kingdom of Cornwall, which is the southwestern tip of England, if you're looking at it, uh, bonfires are still lit, especially amongst a lot of the Reconstructionist pagans. Uh, Druids will go greet the sun at Stonehenge on the morning of the solstice, uh, but most of the non-Reconstructionist pagans or Druids in the country kind of use it as a Church of England, just a uh, candlelight vigil type of thing. Cool. Over in Bonnie, Scotland, <clears throat> they will light bonfires and hold three-day vigils, keeping watch for your love's return, which is made famous in a poem. There you go. Uh, that brings us to Wales. Uh, and Wales, the English basically banned all of the Celtic traditions, uh, but they now have folk dances, especially in the town of Cardiff, around Midsummer. Nice. I like the Welsh accent. Good job. <laughs> I haven't I haven't had the chance to use that very often, so <laughs> um jumping across the pond then to North America. Um so in Alaska, there's a thing called the Midnight Game. It's a game of baseball 
that starts at 10.30 p.m., 10.30 at night, and is played through midnight without the need of artificial lighting. Obviously, since Alaska is at such a high latitude, um, you know, during the middle of summer, sun does not go down. stays above the horizon. I have to admit, it would be fun to go play or watch the midnight game. Yeah, definitely. I'm not a big watch baseball and TV fan, but (laughs) I would go watch it in person, especially to play basically all night. Like growing up, I think that was always my dream. I always wished that the sun just wouldn't set because my my curfew was (laughs) once the sun sets, I had to be inside. Yep. Um, most states and provinces of, uh, the United States and Canada have some form of a Scandinavian festival. Uh, many of them have maypoles similar to the traditions of the Swedish maypole festivals, uh, minus the skinny dipping, um, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your take on that. Um, so apart from the state's you know, that fall under that umbrella. There is a specific tradition in Wyoming, uh, which is a large bonfire is erected on Casper Mountain, and the celebrants will toss handfuls of red dirt into the fire to ask the great spirits for wishes for the remainder of the year. Um, that brings us to Canada in particular. Uh, So the province of Newfoundland um, has a very strong Scandinavian uh, background to it. And so they have uh, bonfire night, they have maples, they have dancing, they have drinking, they have basically everything that happens in uh, the Scandinavian parts of Europe happen in Newfoundland. But it's very unique in, if you go just a little bit west, the uh, province of Quebec which has a lot of French influence, the celebrations are a little bit more French in nature. So because Canada is so interesting, having being part of New France, being part of uh, basically the new uh, Foundland area, which was uh, settled by Vikings at one point, and all the English influences, it's got a very different festival depending on where you are in the country. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, So jumping now to Asia. um, In Iran, there's a festival called the Fire of Nawuz. Hopefully I'm saying that right. It's spelled N-A-W-O-O-Z. That's what I would guess, yeah. Okay. My my Persian is a little rusty. (laughs) Um, So it... In this festival, they will, again, light fires. They will thank God for his blessings and for their crops. And they will offer prayers for the peace of the souls of the dead. Uh, This was all parts of this ancient Iranian tradition. Also, uh, newlyweds will be given white horses to ride up and down the mountain of Nawuz during this time. The mountain is where the, the festival gets its name. This one interested me when I was researching it because um, the the little bit that I do know of Islam is uh, the belief that the Prophet Muhammad was very against um, any form of pagan ritual. And I know 
the Ayatollahs of Iran are uh, are a theocracy, and so I just found it interesting that a uh, kind of an earth based festival, this uh, fire of Nimuz, is um, is still allowed to be celebrated in a Islamic theocracy. I just thought that was fascinating. Yeah, it's it's always fascinating to me the kind of the pagan traditions that make it through. So, Um, that brings us over to India on the day of solstice. There's a celebration um, amongst those that are Hindi uh, of celebrate the Hindi faith. Um, And this is a day for meditation, giving thanks, meeting with people and they celebrate it with, uh, with yoga um, which is, um, if you do it in a spiritual way, a lot of people here in America and in Western Europe do it as exercise, but if you do it in a spiritual way, it is meant to, um, kind of bring your inner being in balance with that of, uh, Brahma, who is the main deity of the uh, Hindu faith. And so yoga is practiced as a way to kind of balance your, um, your energies and make you, uh, align with what, uh, Brahma would want you to be so that you can achieve Nirvana in your next life type of thing. Nice. I really like that. Um, so going to the far East then, um, this is what that I, I looked up, but I, so I work with a lot of, um, a lot of people in my company in, uh, like Taiwan and Singapore and even in, uh, Shanghai, we have a lot of employees over there that I work with. And so I asked a few of them what type of like summer solstice celebrations were held and a couple of different people mentioned the dragon boat festival uh, which is not strictly held on the solstice but they all uh, basically told me that that's kind of how it started Um, and so specifically in china hong kong and taiwan which are all separate countries so xi jinping if you're listening (laughs) um, as well as parts of Japan, Korea, and Vietnam all have this Dragon Boat Festival. Um, It's typically on the fifth day of the fifth lunar month, which usually precedes the solstice by a week or two. Um, And it consists of these Dragon Boat races. So Dragon Boat races are, if you think about like Olympic rowing, but flip everybody so they're facing forward. Um, Then you have like the, the person at the front with the drum keeping time. Um, and the boats are decorated with these really in- intricate designs, and each region has um, like a unique design. The Taiwanese vessels, which this is what I had the most information uh, relayed to me, they tend to be very colorful, and the whole body of the boat is covered with like dragon scale uh, paintings and stuff. And the front of the boat will have a large sculpted dragon head and the stern will have a curled tail and specifically at the start of the race the dragon's eyes uh, pupils and this is 
so this is specific to what they do in Taiwan. I don't know if this is what they do in other countries, but they leave the pupils of the eyes blank um, until just before the start of the race. And then they have a ceremony called Awakening the Dragon, where it's meant to awaken and invoke the dragon's, the dragon's spirit. And so they will take dark red ink mixed with the water from the river where they're racing and mixed with earth from the riverbank. And they will uh, paint the dots on the dragon's eyes. So once that ceremony is done, then the dragon is set to be awake and then the race can begin. Um, so then they go and they race down the river and as each dragon boat approaches the finish line, a specific team member, uh, their job is to reach out and grab a flag that's floating on a buoy. And the first team to successfully retrieve their flag is declared the winner. I like that. I, uh, I've had the chance to go to a dragon boat festival a couple of times here in Colorado, and it is a cool time. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah. Cool. <coughs> well, uh, that kind of brings us to the uh, the end of the country uh, festivities. Um, I do have a late addition, though, before we go into who is allowed to celebrate this. Um, I guess... In North America, going back to North America, a lot of the uh, indigenous tribes have uh, started to organize a giant powwow, uh, which is um, a Plains Indian term of a get-together or a meet, um, where they come and celebrate with dancing, drums, and traditional costume and music. Um, and this apparently is one of the few powwows that they don't don't really like uh, Westerners or people of not of uh, indigenous faith to come be a part of because it's very sacred to them. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So, all right. So who's allowed to celebrate this midsummer solstice? Well, anybody can celebrate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, no gatekeeping. Um, the like we've kind of alluded to with this huge list, um, this celebration really has roots in pretty much all religions, all peoples, all backgrounds. So, um, our recommendation, and you know what what we do is find a tradition that works for you, um, whether that's the tradition of your. Um, ancestral ethnicity or not and just enjoy the you know some of the celebrations that are occurring around most of the world at this time i i couldn't have said it better myself yeah i uh i do think this is this is a festival uh kind of like the winter solstice that everybody can take part of everybody has a word in and if you're worried about neo-paganism for whatever reason uh, there's a lot of christian holidays uh around this time if you're worried about uh cultural appropriation if you haven't noticed almost every society 
all around the world does very similar things on the solstice. I don't think you're appropriating <laughs> anybody with whatever you choose to do. Yeah. So, um, as far as our personal, uh, what we plan or are doing for the uh, solstice or midsummer, um, I guess I'll go first. Actually, before we do that, favorite traditions. So from the list, we did a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of them, um, and I'll kind of share my favorite traditions. And then, uh, hopefully, Adam will share uh, <laughs> his favorites. Um, so, my favorites, uh, I love. I love what a campfire does. It it brings people together to t- share stories and um, kind of celebrate community. It doesn't matter. You can be by yourself out in a designated campground out in the middle of the state. If you have a fire, people will come over and talk. Uh, and so I really love the building of the fires. I feel like that's such an important thing. Um, I have two left feet and no rhythm. I suck at dancing, but I love this idea of just letting your spirit go free and be moved by the music uh, during this time. So I love the tradition of uh, dance and music and I love coming together as a community and sharing stories and a celebration with other members of the community. So those are my favorite um, parts of Midsummer. Yeah, for me, it's, it's pretty much the same. Um, I would echo what you said about, fires bonfires campfires whatever um there's just something special about sitting by the fire at night and uh, also as far as like a, a bonfire it it kind of even as somebody that's super introverted like and hates going to parties <laughs> um if there's like a party that's at a bonfire um, that tends to get me out of my shell for some reason. Um, I grew up in a, a really, really small town. And so we had uh, bonfires with friends during the summer. And there was even a like an official um, end of year uh, bonfire that was sanctioned by the school and the city. And like the fire department was there to oversee it. And there was this huge like, 40, 50 foot tall pile of dead trees and pallets and stuff that people would contribute to um, leading up to it. And then the the senior class, the graduating class would light the fire, just was this big party. And as someone who also has two left feet and again, does not really enjoy partying, that was so much fun. And whenever I've done anything like that, it's just been something I've really enjoyed. So I would say bonfires, music, and while I probably won't take part in the dancing, it's fun to watch and sit and kind of like bob my head. (laughs) There you go. All right. So with that said, uh, what are you doing or what have you done this, uh, this midsummer festival? Um, so for me, uh, what I've done so far, uh, this week I have 
changed the watch face on my Apple Watch. There's one that uh, has a really cool graphic that tracks the time by the cycle of the sun. And it has like um, a graphic of the sun rising and going around and then setting. And it's really, really cool. And so I've switched it to that just to, one, it kind of reduces distractions of all my other notifications, but two, it's been really a really good reminder just every time I glance down at my wrist that kind of keeps me in that, in that frame of mind. Um, just to stay mindful of like the sun and how vital it is to, to us as carbon based life forms in this uh, solar system. Um, and then on the actual solstice, I kind of tried to structure my day around the sun. So I got up at like 6.05 or whatever the official sunrise time was and greeted the sun. And then at the zenith, so when it was directly overhead, um, I took some items from my yard that I felt represent my relationship with the sun. Um, so I took a sprig from my birch tree, which shades me from the sun. Um, a thistle from my yard that I'm actually currently kind of fighting with because it thrives in the sun more than my lawn and it's invading. Um, and then also the head of one of the blooms from one of my daisy bushes um, that obviously needs the sun to exist and kind of looks like the sun itself. Um, last year I had a sunflower that was growing in my garden and I was hoping it would come back, but it didn't come back this year. So used a daisy this year um, and just kind of like set them up on my, uh, my little hearth and uh, spent the day looking at those. And then that evening I just sat outside, watched the sunset. Um, this was just before 10 PM cause I'm like super far West on the longitude of, of my time zone. So um, just kind of sat out there, watched the sun go down over the, you know, the, the hay field. And that was my day on the solstice. And then as far as like more official plans, I guess, um, this weekend, my wife and I were planning to have a, uh, I guess a bonfire, but a very small bonfire, small bee, <laughs> um, <laughs> in our backyard, um, just in our, in our little in-ground fire pit and just kind of sit and be mindful of things. Just talk about like the yearly cycle um, and just life, the universe and everything. So, which is kind of what we did at the winter solstice at Yule. Um, just this time, obviously we won't have a, a Yule book, a goat to burn. So that's what we're doing. There you go. What about you? What's going on over there? Um, so for me, unfortunately, uh, it's been so dry here that we are in a fire ban. So my dream at the, <coughs> at the end of uh, winter, beginning of spring, was to um, kind of uh, build a fire and just sit, be mindful, watch the flames type of thing. Invite some people over for stories, drinks, festivities, anything like that. But that, uh, unfortunately, was not allowed to happen and is not allowed to happen. So uh, we're alternating 
it a little bit. Um, so on the day of the solstice, I woke up early like you. Um, I didn't rate the sun. Um, it's never been something that I've enjoyed doing was uh, waking up to greet the sun. Maybe I'll add that to my thing next year. But um, during lunch, after I got home from work, I lit some candles and on our hearth um, in a semblance of the fire. And I just kind of sat and watched the candles burn for a little bit um, before, uh, before kind of going and doing a little bit of uh, sitting and just thinking and reflecting on the year on the year that has happened and kind of uh, establishing some wishes for uh, what I wish the rest of the year will, will hold for me. Um, and then this Saturday, so this comes out on Sunday. So yesterday uh, my wife and I will be driving up the mountains um, there's a Scandinavian festival, uh, Scandinavian Midsummer's Festival up in um, a small mountain town that my wife and I go to quite often because there's just some magic in that valley. Um, so we'll go up there. We'll uh, make some flower wreaths. We'll, we'll dance around the maypole. We'll listen to some folk music. We'll go check out the craft fair. Um, and then we'll drive back down the mountain uh, before sunset. So we won't we won't be up there for when all the crazy Swedes strip off their clothes and jump in Lake Estes. But we'll get there. We'll be there <laughs> just to the point of. So nice. Yep. So that's kind of our plan. Um, th- this time has always been very special for me. Uh, so my and I don't want to be docs so I'm not going to tell you exactly what day my birthday is but I'll say that my birthday is very close to midsummer and so it's always been a time of like magic for me even the days even the years that I had like a horrible birthday um there's still a magic in the air uh being around the time that I was born being middle of the year being the longest day of the year um, that type of thing. So I always nice. look forward to this time. Yeah, it's a good time of year. So, um, cool. I guess that brings us to this, uh, this week's mindfulness moment. Not that, uh, this entire episode was basically a mindfulness moment, but, <laughs> Um, as I was doing the show notes and as I was thinking, um, I, I would kind of jotted down some of the thoughts that I had as I was going. So I'm just going to read some of the thoughts that I had while we were creating the show outline for this. So, uh, this, this time of the year is met with many people that celebrate many different rites and sacraments. And I was just thinking about all these different ways that people celebrate. And I, I kind of want to issue a challenge to, uh, to you, the listener, to myself, to my co-host, um, to stop and think just about where you come from. Where do you plan on going? Uh, and kind of think about some way that you can get there with the remainder of this year. Um, 
a lot of the rights that we looked at in in Europe, especially, were all about this balance of the year. Um, half the year is done. The planting season is done. It's time to gear up for the harvest season. And so just looking at that, what are some seeds that you can plant this midsummer to harvest by the time of Yule to help you achieve your dreams? Uh, and so the challenge is to reflect on that as you're listening to this. And then I also thought uh, fertility, this festival is all about fertility, but that doesn't necessarily mean the ability to have children or the ability to find your lover to get married or anything that that uh, fertility can be a blessing of wealth, a blessing of abundance into your life. Uh, and being mindful of your needs and your desires, especially at this time of midsummer, is such a powerful way to achieve this these dreams and bring fertility into your life. So I wanted to kind of end this mindfulness moment by wishing you all a very happy and blessed solstice, midsummer, St. John's Day, or any other rite that you celebrate at this time. Yeah, very well said. I don't have anything to add. <clears throat> Sorry. It was just notes that I took while I was making the show notes. And I thought that it was kind of a, not to, not to come across as like egotistical, but I thought that it was a good way. <laughs> yeah, so I like, I really like the imagery of planting a seed now that you can harvest, uh, you know, at the end of the year. So. With that, <clears throat> join us next week as we look at the American Independence Day. Memories, stories, maybe a little bit of England bashing. We'll see you there. See you, everybody. <laughs>